and listeners, welcome to this week in interview. I am your host, Anthony Drago. Well, it's Christmas season, and I guess you by now you started your shopping. Uh, if you if you're in the Caribbean, remember Christmas time, you have some something drying on the fire, some meat on the fire. Um, you start painting your house, scrubbing up, and everything. But anyway, with those of us who were lucky enough to grow up in the Caribbean um, during the, I would say, 70s, 80s, Christmas was so much fun. I'm sorry, it's still fun. I, uh, it's just that I guess when we are no longer kids, we, um, we lose our childhood wonder, you know. Anyway, welcome to this weekend interview. Uh, we do this every Wednesday night, whether it's Christmas season or otherwise, although we do take a break. For Christmas, so tonight is going to be the last um, installment of this weekend interview for 2016. We will resume sometime in January, um, around the second week of January. We resume, I guess, by then we should be in full calypso mode, getting ready for carnival. But as usual, I want to tell you, my regular listeners, that I really appreciate you making me part of your week. And those of you who are joining me tonight for the first time, I'm happy that you're making the time to join me. Hopefully, by the end of tonight's um, episode of this weekend interview, you will agree that it's a show that's worth your while, worth your attention, and you can move to becoming a full-time listener, regular listener as well. This weekend interview, what we what we endeavor to do is to bring you information about topics of interest that you may not necessarily hear from the mainstream media. Um, I always like to say that if you can hear what we talk about here um, by turning on your radio or your TV or going online, then there's no need for us. We don't want to be another uh, echo. We don't want to be a Me Too kind of um, of station. But as the host of this weekend interview, I have the distinct honor and privilege to have conversations with persons who are so interesting interesting because of the type of work they do because of their experience because of their of their life you know these people share sit with me have conversations with me and i have the pleasure to share them with you i hope you enjoy these conversations as much as i do the last few weeks i have been doing a hop around the caribbean uh oecs uh, we, we did St. Vincent, we did St. Kitts Nevis, we did Grenada, we did Haiti. Tonight we, we're talking St. Lucia, you know, my St. Lucian brothers and sisters, Sakafet, you know. Um, me being from Dominica, you being from St. Lucia, we can communicate in Creole. Uh, maybe we, one of these days we'll start having Creole classes, so the rest of the Caribbean will learn Creole. Those of you who tuned in last week remember that I was mentioning that when I was in Grenada, I met some of the older folks who could converse with me in, in Creole. I've also met some Trinidadians who say that um, they, some of the older folks in Trinidad can, um, can also speak Creole. But that's, that's, that's another story. Anyhow, tonight I'm speaking with uh, a gentleman from St. Lucia, and we're going to be talking Lucian stuff. He, he's in, he lives in Canada. He's the president of the St. Lucia Canadian Association. And he has, you know, tons of experience and involvement in what he's going to do. And he's going to bring us up to speed on stuff that's going on in St. Lucia. The things that he and his fellow St. Lucians are doing in Canada. But before we do that, as usual, you know, I have to start the show every Wednesday. I have to start the show with a Caricom Anthem, as done by the most exquisite um, Miss Mikkel Henderson. She does a beautiful job with the Caricom Anthem. 
And I'm always, always, always pushing forward, always pushing for the Caribbean unity. I think the Caribbean are trying to go forward as individual specks on the map is a mistake. I would like to see the Caribbean countries come together. And last week we spoke a little bit about the referendum that took place in Grenada. One of the questions in the referendum was the amendment of the constitution to replace the Privy Council with the Caribbean Court of Justice. Unfortunately, that did not carry. Very, very big disappointment, big setback, I think. Um, as Caribbean people, it, 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 does, it spells out the amount of work that we have to do in terms of educating our people and having confidence in our own self. But let's listen to Mikael as she does the CARICOM anthem. And when we come back, we'll also take a word from our sponsor. When we come back, a little bit of Lucian music, and um, we will be talking to, to Mr. Ross, Ross Kadas um, from St. Lucia. And going to be a, a tremendous conversation. So just stay tuned. From many distant lands Our forefathers came Some seeking adventure Some bound in chains Through battles waged and fought Through victory and pain By test of their courage Our freedom was gained In homage to those gone before us The heroes of lands in the Focus on building one Caribbean. Raise your voices high. Sing of your Caribbean pride. Sing it loud and strong. Feel our hearts beat as one. Celebrate in song as we rise to heights where we belong. You know, there are many choices when it comes to domain registration, web hosting, and dedicated servers. But I have to tell you about Jocko Hosting. They're simply the best. With their 99.9% uptime guarantee, 24-7 sales and support teams, you'll never have to worry. Get in touch with them today. They offer plenty of other products and services like SSL certificates, managed WordPress, and more. Call or click today, 480-624-2500. Jocko.com. That's J-A-C-H-Q-O dot com. Yeah, listeners, welcome back. Um, so thank you to our, our sponsor, Jacko. Uh, if you have any website needs, you need someone to design your website or any type of internet service, you can contact them. Go to jacko.com. Um, tonight, as I said, we, we're focusing on a conversation with St. Lucia, St. Lucians. Um, we know St. Lucia is one of the nicest places to go for... Um, for Christmas, I understand. We have a lot of St. Lucian music. I'm going to play you a little bit of a St. Lucian song, Christmas song. And when we come back, we're going to be having a conversation with a gentleman from St. Lucia. And he's going to bring us up to speed with what's going on in St. Lucia, economic-wise, political-wise, what the group in, Tor in Canada is also doing. So let's listen to a little bit of music, Christmas music. And um, it's the season to be merry. And when we come back... Um, we're going to be talking to our guests. Lay like, lay 
music uh you know growing up in the caribbean we always hear about um jingle bells and snow and all of this stuff that that you know stimulates our imagination and then some of us some of us are living that reality that 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 fantasy when we were a child and we used to imagine snow and riding in carriages in snow and santa claus and you're feeling cold and now we live in north america we live in europe and we actually get to experience some cold um, Christmas season. Well, my guest tonight's actually in Toronto, and, and earlier he called me and told me that it was snowing. So let's see if we can warm him up a little bit, give him a very, very warm, this week in interview, very warm TDN Radio. Welcome. My guest tonight on this week in interview is Mr. Ross Kadas, and he is the president of the St. Lucian Toronto Association. So, Russ, let me tell you a big welcome to this week in interview. I'm very excited and delighted that you were able to, to fit us into your schedule um, to be my guest on this week in interview. Welcome. Well, thank you, my brother, and uh, good evening to all the listeners out there in Radio Land. Um, it's my pleasure to be there. Um, the snow in Toronto, it's, um, it's flurrying, what we call flurrying, um, but uh, we're expecting lots of snow tonight, so... Um, you know, one of the beautiful things about working, about living in Canada is that you, you get to witness many seasons, but that comes with, um, having a large selection of clothing <laughs> attached to it. <laughs> you say you get to enjoy, um, all the different seasons. I was going to say you have to take that with a grain of salt and then, but it's not just a grain of, it's a lot of salt to spread out to melt some of the snow from the driveway and all of that. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. But you know, it's it's, it's my pleasure to be um, to be here. As uh, as as you said, um, I am president of uh, the Saint Lucia Toronto Association, um, which is a forty five uh, going to fifty, maybe forty seven year old organization that uh, uh, started way back in in Toronto, with the main reason for being um, for for almost like a settlement organization. You know, when somebody from St. Lucia came um, to Canada, that organization served as uh, an organization that would help them get settled and, and actually keep them, keep that connection with St. Lucia. Um, you know, over the last 10 years, um, we've gone through some, some great transformation where, you know, um, you know we, we recognize that that connection is not needed now with social media, with the internet, with, you know, I mean, you, 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 can, you can see and speak to people um, all around the world with the technology available. So um, we, we, focus, we focused and redirected the organization to be one that um, gives back um, to St. Lucia 
Um, so that's one of us that are given back to St. Lucia um, as it relates to children and education. Uh, and the second thing is just to serve as a as um, community builder in 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 um, in in Toronto for solutions living in Toronto. So kind of um, that's our new mandate as an organization. And over the past ten years, we've been going through a, a, a big transformation uh, with the organization. That's interesting. You said that the organization has been around for almost fifty years. Uh, and um, and I, I like the way that you were able to, to put in historical perspective and your adjustment. As you said, um, a huge part of the early work of the organization is to help St. Lucians settle. You know, that is such, such a, a traumatic and stressful um, event in the life of somebody to actually pick up yourself and your family and to transplant yourself into another culture. And so I imagine that organization would tend to soften the blow a little bit, so to speak, and soften the impact. So you see, a lot of the work that the organization does is uh, in terms of education. And, um, and also, like, I, I imagine, do you all do stuff in the health field as well? Yeah, we, 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 we did a little bit in the health uh, field. So um, most recently, we spent over $100,000 with medical equipment to St. Lucia, to the um, St. Jude's Hospital. Uh, so we've done that, but that's not really our mandate. We, had, we saw an opportunity, and um, we decided that we, we would take advantage of it. Um, but um, children and education is something that we, we, we feel very passionate about uh, as an organization. Um, because as you know, in the Caribbean, you can't, uh, you can't invest more. In our youth, I mean, if you look at St. Lucia, 45% of youth unemployment. 45 should tell us. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's, that's, a, that's a big big number, right? And I think it's very similar in other islands um, in the region. So, you know, focus it. Our, our, I'll give you an example. Uh, two years ago, we supported a, an organization called the Foundation for the Development of Caribbean Children. And I know they have um, some programs in Dominica. They have programs in Jamaica and also in St. Lucia. And how we supported them is uh, they've got uh, a program called the Roving Caregiver Program. And um, we supported uh, that program uh, for, for a few months. Uh, to and, and what that program is, is they go into to the homes in, in, the, in the countryside and um, they, they help the children with the, with the skills that the children who can't afford, the parents can't afford for them to go to uh, kindergarten, they would, they would provide those skills that the kids need before they go into school, um, the mobility skills, the, the, you know, the different things that kids, you know, cognitive skills that the kids need uh, so that they could be at the same level as other kids who, who had the opportunity to go to, to, um, to that sort of uh, environment. But also added to that, what they would do also is um, the parents would have to be there, so, so our parents would have to be there. So they, they helped and they taught the parents also. So we found that, we found that to be a, a worthy cause and we supported that. I find that. that very interesting. Go, 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 take, um, if I can indulge me, if you can indulge me, go over the organizations that does that again. You say Roving Care and, and what? What's the organization? Yeah, the name of the organization is the Foundation for the Development of Caribbean Children. The program that, um, within that organization is called the Roving Caregiver Program. And uh, um, it's all available online. Okay, if where you, is that? If where you're online? Um, I think the organization is called the FDCC.org. Okay, so they can Google it and find it. Okay. Yeah, you can Google it and find it. Uh, very, very interesting foundation. Um, we did that for one year, and then our our focus shifted a little bit because what we realized that in St. Lucia, and I'm sure it's 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 in the region, um, autism, autism is is something that we really haven't put a lot of uh, uh, a lot of understanding and a lot of effort into, uh, or I would say effort, but really an, uh, we, we're, we're behind the ball on, on, on kind of understanding the whole um, autism right. and uh, children with, 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 with disabilities. 
So we found uh, an organization in St. Lucia that focused on um, um, children with disabilities, and uh, we supported them. Um, we supported them last year, and um, we are again um, this year going to support them. When you say um, you support them, them, do you do you want to give a little bit of details in terms of the type of support oh, yeah. that you provide? It's, it's all financial support, so um, that's actually a good question. What we've done um, over the last three years as part of our transformation as an organization, uh, and I'll take you back to kind of what we do, um, we realized that, you know, fundraising in the diaspora, whether it's uh, in, in the St. Lucian community, the Dominican community, Antiguan community, uh, fundraising is usually done to the same audience, which is our people within the diaspora. Right. Um, and fundraising is done by having a little dance or a little bingo or a little, you know, event, uh, running a bar or that sort of thing. So we recognize that that type of fundraising has its own limits. So as an organization, we said, okay, how can we fundraise, okay, and go outside of our community? So what we did is uh, one of our signature um, events is a golf tournament. So um, the golf tournament we do every year, it's probably our biggest owner as far as um, fundraising. And we specifically, I mean, we market it within our community, but it's specifically marketed, marketed outside of our community to ordinary com- Canadians. So we encourage our members to talk to their, 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 their colleagues at work, the colleagues in churches, in the places where they network, and we bring golf golfers and we do a golf tournament. And people like it because we use the golf tournament to to do a few things. The first thing is we we solutionize the golf tournament. So when people come to the tournament, they get a piece of Senusha. So we use that as a tool to right. market Senusha mm-hmm. as a destination. The second thing. Um, is to raise funds for 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 our programs. Um, one being the, the autism um, program that we've raised funds for um, the last two years. And the third thing is um, there's a solution in our community named Frank Ford, who is a community worker and also a golf coach and very accomplished gentleman. And we do the golf tournament in his name, so we do it to honor him. And uh, we've had great, great reward, re- uh, results and feedback on, on the tournament. So um, we have been able to kind of establish uh, this tournament. And most of, the, most of the, the, the people who come out to play uh, come out every year. How many years now have you been having that tournament? Um, we're going into our fourth year. Wow. That's, that is, right? that, that's tremendous. I, I really like the idea of you know responding to the fact that our people are suffering from fatigue and i say fatigue in the sense that you know independence time you market to them christmas time every fundraiser and every group is marketing to the same people and i like i like the way that you're able to engage um outside of the narrow circle that 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 is very very awesome Uh, yeah and if you think through it you know it's also i i really uh, you know, my background, somewhere somewhere in my background, in my early years as, a, as an adult, as was in the hotel business. And I, I really, I feel passionate about our tourism product in the islands. And I think, you know, anything we can do as people in the diaspora to market our, our countries, we should be taking advantage of it. So I really like that connection. Um, our tourist board supports it. Uh, they come out. They, they, they give uh, trips. Um, through the hotel sector that we can auction. So we have an auction, and our auction items are all trips to St. Lucia at different hotels. So then there's the marketing aspect also that we're pretty, pretty excited about. No, the, all, of the, all of that song is really tremendous. The song's fresh. I haven't heard, you know, that, that different concept um, put forward. So congratulations on that. So the, the St. Lucian Toronto Association it does a lot of that kind of work, and you say your focus is on helping children, and um, specifically in the area of education. So, um, and and uh, the, the roving caregiver you said you all did for one year. Last year you all did the focus on autism, and you're right. Autism is not something that 
is given any kind of formal focused attention in our in our communities so so raising awareness for that is also also great what do you guys have do you have any um, upcoming events that you'd like to tell the audience about well yes um you know the the event um that is one of the the most um uh, i guess one of the most important events to to us as an organization is uh, our or to us as as a people in the diaspora is our independence, and um, the Saint Lucia Toronto Association has celebrated uh, Saint Lucia's independence uh, since its inception. Believe it or not, they've had a celebration for independence since 1979, and uh, you know we our upcoming um, major event is our Independence Gala, where we come together as a community to uh, to to um, celebrate independence. When uh, it's uh, our independence is actually February twenty second, but um, our celebration will be on the twenty fifth of February, okay. which is a Saturday, the twenty fifth. So uh, it's a staple for for us uh, as a community. We've had uh, a number of different people. Um, uh, attend um, from the political circles and the government in in, in St. Lucia. Uh, we have a lot of government officials uh, typically come from the province of Ontario and from the government of Canada. Uh, between you and me, they come um, they come they, they come in more numbers in an election year, <laughs> and that's. <laughs> But but uh, we we always have a presence. We had the mayor of Toronto attend, uh, as well as others. Um, we we we've had everybody from the prime minister, minister of foreign affairs from Saint Lucia, minister of health. I mean, deputy prime minister. We've had um, a number of people attend in the past. Um, it is you know a night for us to kind of come in and uh, uh, really celebrate. We've got. Um, I'm sure you may be familiar with um, Tedison John last year. Mm-hmm. Tedison John, uh, who was fresh from Trinidad, St. Lucia, and um, uh, soccer artist, French from uh, a very successful run in Trinidad. Um, the week after that was uh, in Toronto. His first performance since um, Trinidad Carnival was in Toronto at our gala um, last year. A few years ago, we had, uh, uh, for those people, uh, in Radio Land, who who are from Toronto or live in Toronto may know Pinball Clemens, uh, and Pinball Clemens is a very very popular um, Toronto uh, public speaker and has a wealth of experience in in business, sports, and uh, in politics in Toronto. So he is he's been a speaker. So. Our gala is, is, is kind of, um, you know, where we kind of showcase um, and really celebrate independence. So it's, it's on February 25th. Let me, let me, right at this moment, offer you an invitation to come back um, closer to the date. Uh, if you want to, you can come back and we can do up, you know, uh, sometime and just talk about the gala and encourage people to come and you can give some more details and all of that. So you have, you have an open invitation from this week in interview to do that in the new Thank year um, as, we, as we get closer to the date. Thank you. We'd appreciate that. Um, any sort of publicity that we can get for, for, our, for our events is, is, is really, really helps the cause. So I really, really appreciate that. No, certainly. And um, what we will do is I will try to get some of the information from you about your organization and post it on our website so that some of the audience can go there and see details of the work the link to your, I guess you have, you have a website, uh, Facebook page, do you? Yes, yes, we do. Right, so I can link to that and send the audience there so they can see the good work that you do and therefore be hopefully motivated to um, to contribute to towards um, you guys. You've been, continue to be successful and, and to and to provide the support that you, that you provide to the St. Lucian people. 
So let's tell us a little bit about yourself. You, I knew you just indicated a little bit of background in the hotel industry. Um, let's introduce you formally to the um, to the audience. Who exactly you are, what what you do, and and that sort of thing. Well, uh, like I said before, I grew up in the hotel business um, uh, in Saint Lucia. Um, I went to school in Canada, went back to Saint Lucia, and I guess. Uh, five, six, maybe a little more years after, I decided uh, I wanted to move back to Canada. When I came back to Canada, I got into the recruiting industry, which is, uh, which is um, you know, where organizations like the organization that I work for uh, are hired um, to find people for, um, for other organizations. So an example would be... Um, you know, IBM would hire us to find them uh, quality people to work in the environment and uh, would pay us a fee for that. So um, that's the, the industry I'm in. I work for a company um, in Toronto as the, the vice president of delivery, um, where I am responsible for uh, basically running the organization and all aspects of, of uh, the sales and recruiting. Um, I am... Uh, father of uh, three, about an 18-year-old, uh, 19-year-old in second year university, and she says, uh, Daddy, I'm going to be a Prime Minister of Canada. So okay. <laughs> um, she's, working, she's working her way um, through, through uh, university and then to, to law school. Um, and I have a 15-year-old boy uh, who's very into basketball, and he does very well and um, my last one is um, 11 years old going on 40 he's very very advanced in his thinking so um, that's a, a little bit about me yeah <laughs> there's always good it's always good to um to to grow the guests on a personal level because you know as Caribbean people we, we we warm and we get to know each other on more than just just a formal level if you have, if you're working for a human resource um, company, and you also made reference to earlier, you, you made reference to the the fact that so many of our young people in the islands are unemployed. Uh, I want to spend, if you don't mind, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that that situation, that circumstance, and maybe exploring. Um, Maybe areas in which were suggestions, things that can maybe be done. What what's contributing to that high rate of unemployment? How do we start to approach that type of problem? Because it's a problem in Dominica as well, in most of the islands. Um, there's so much little economic activity going on that there there's not a lot of opportunity for employment for young people. I don't know if you want to dive head first and and maybe you know talk about the the issue and then let's see if we can if we can you know dissect it unpack it a little bit and see if what kind of ideas can come out of our discussion the, the, the state of yeah. unemployment among our young people in the islands yeah and i think you know uh, unemployment holistically the challenge with unemployment in any small country is 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 the country's from my perspective at least is the country's inability to attract um, investment through through business and I think I think that that is the crux for a small island um, we can sit here and, and debate um, you know programs that can be put in place to enable small business and to enable um, the youth to become business people but at the end of the day when I look at the Caribbean region as a whole one of the challenges that the region has is that we haven't been able, in for a large part, to invest to to attract the kind of investment that would help with uh, with with the unemployment situation. Um, and when they do, um, I the skills. The other piece of it is the skills sometimes that are that are needed. Um, are not available because the education system doesn't work hand in hand with the, say, a, uh, 
investing new shares in the body that handles investment. They don't work hand in hand to understand the types of skills that are needed. So it becomes a challenge when 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 you're talking to organizations and saying, hey, you know, come to St. Lucia, we have, we have, we have, um, we, we can attract you through our tax breaks, through our um, country, for our ease of entry into the U.S., and all these things, but the level of education sometimes of the people are not at the level that, yeah, I'm saying, um, is required to be able to do the job. So I'll give you some examples. I, I most recently finished um, working for an organization uh, called Manpower Group, um, and they were the organization that I worked with uh, for six years. And part of my responsibility was to to kind of look at uh, how do we bring in skills into Canada that we don't have available. And when we talk about those skills, we talk about skills mainly in technology, so very, very high-level people that are, you know, scarce in the Canadian market. And what would be the, what would the process for bringing, bringing those people in? And what we found is, I mean, me being a Caribbean man, I would love to bring those skills in from the Caribbean, but we don't have them. Right, so we we go to to, to to places like China, India, and the Philippines, with the core places where we got the skills, and even the Ukraine and those countries that I've mentioned there spend a lot of time educating their people uh, to have the skills. Um, when we look at um, a lot of the businesses that that are that are offshore, and we have our offshoring. Uh, from the U.S. and Canada into into India and other places. Um, the number one reason why, because it would be easier for us to get that sort of investment, that sort of uh, offshoring into the Caribbean. Um, in fact, they call it nearshoring, um, but we don't have the skill level to be able to to accommodate that, and then the cost factor goes up. But Russ, as as I'm saying, as as we speak right now, I mean, see, you you spoke about it for five minutes, and you're able to highlight a major issue, and it's it's not that it's not that we don't educate our people because most of our people go to school. If you go to the Caribbean, that's one thing you is during school hours, young people are in school. So is it just like a failure on the government to strategize and to say, well, okay, this is what we need to do? Uh, because you you talk about near sharing, so that is one advantage. We are near, and two, we're English speaking, and yep. yet still we're not able to compete with with locations that are thousands of miles away, and they don't speak English. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that is first of all, I don't think it's something that, and uh, 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 again, I'm not I'm not living in the Caribbean now, but it, it feels like. It's not something that the governments have really, uh, really looked at as a possibility. That that that's one. But second, I, I think when we when we when we think um, when we in the region, our governments have so many challenges um, that sometimes I feel that it's difficult for them to kind of be more uh, visionary. Or more strategic, uh, we tend to be very tactical in our approach in the region, and um, a lot of what we do is tied to um, politics. Uh, I remember a friend of mine uh, in Saint Lucia. I was just a little boy, um, and his buddy was going up um, for uh, running for a seat in an election, and he said to his buddy, he "said Listen, you know." You've got to have the guts uh, to make decisions that are so unpopular that you will not be elected a second term. But those decisions are the decisions that will be right for the country. And I think, you know, part of our problem with uh, our governments around the region is that they don't have the guts to make some of the hard decisions in some cases that they may only last one term, they, but it will be better for uh, for the region. So I think there are two things. So there's a political factor, um, 
But the other thing is the inability to kind of look at, uh, because there's so many challenges on the ground, the inability to look at things strategically. Uh, we're always in, in react mode. Uh, it feels like the governments are always in react mode. So I think that's part of the challenge, and I. Yeah, I um I agree. I <laughs> you you seem to you seem to have given some thought to to those topics for sure because the the, the politics is is a major issue. It seems as though our leaders are mostly focusing on getting reelected. From as soon as as soon as the election is done their main focus is on getting reelected. And so we, they don't have the opportunity or they don't take the time to, to, to be able to do a proper planning. Um, and, and put on top of that, as you said, there's a lot of challenges because uh, trying to run a country like Dominica or St. Lucia on the limited budget that they have it must be a daunting task. But... Uh, you know, I, I think it's a question of either you know catch twenty two or chicken and egg. If or if if you if you don't make time to plan it, then you always you're always um, trying to catch up and make up. My my one of my biggest disappointments in the region is that we inherited an education system from from colonialism that was pretty decent in the sense that it was. Taught us what we needed at the time to survive as civil servants, as 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 um, you know, technocrats. Then we've replaced a lot of it with our own system, I guess, through CXC, the Caribbean Examination Council, and so on. My 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 observation is that my opinion is that CXC seemed to, I guess, maybe try to to make a duplicate of what the GCE exams were, it, rather than, at least that's what it appears to me from the outside, rather than to maybe say, do an assessment of what are the needs in the Caribbean, and then fashion a curriculum that would, that would train to those needs, and, and then, and then you know, propagate that throughout, throughout the region. It doesn't seem like CXC has been able to, uh, to replace the colonial um, system that we had. Are you, uh, you know, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I agree with your, I, I agree with your, your, your summation there, but, you know, here's the thing, you know, I like to look at it a little more, a little simpler, okay? I went through the CXC, right? And there are a number of people that went through uh, the, the schooling um, in St. Lucia, in Dominica, in Barbados, and they have been able to, they have been able to, to um, do very well. So I, I, I don't think it's as much as, uh, uh, our challenge has, a, has much, as much to do with the system. Um, I think it has to do with, uh, more with, us being able to, first of all, um, uh, keep keep the youth focused on uh, on their education, whatever is available, and um, the government being able to put programs in place that that can one attract investment to the right social programs in place. I mean, uh, even in Canada, here, even in Toronto, there is a large percentage of Black uh, Caribbean youth that are, are not focused on school and that are not doing well and don't have jobs. But there are also um, quite a few of them that are doing very, very well in school. And some of that probably has to do with the way that they were brought up and, and, and their parents, um, their parents' investment in them. Um, Part of it could be the opportunities available to them where, 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 where it is. I mean, I don't know that, you know, moving from one educational system to another really, really hurts you if you have the right foundation uh, from home. And that's just my thought. Right. So, so you, as you said, 
you and I have been through the well, the CXC. I I happen to straddle the system. I when I went to school, I did some GCE, which is Cambridge University in London. I did some CXCs, and and so the reason I went to CXC is because I am I am a very strong proponent of of some kind of unity in the Caribbean. Um, if it was up to me, it would be full-fledged one country. But I know that's probably a big bite, and some people might not be able to swallow that. So some kind of cooperation among among the islands. And in, in, a, in an environment where each island has its own limitations in terms of resources that it has to allocate. So, so for example, um, when you gave the example that your organization was trying was trying to bring in skilled people, and um, those types of skills were not available from the Caribbean. I'm sure that's not a unique situation. So, I guess where I was going was that I, I an organization like like the Caribbean Examination Council, who um, sets curriculum for secondary schools in the region. I I, I don't see the evidence that they that they, they see these opportunities and say, you know what, this is what's required to survive in a, you know, in a 21st century um, type of environment, and therefore let's, tailor, let's, let's nudge our curriculum in that direction. Um, maybe introduce um, some kind of tertiary level curriculum, at, maybe at the technical level, so, so we can get some maybe some kids who have some basic skills in coding or some kind of basic computer information driven. That, that's where I was going when I went to CXC. In terms of if the islands can do it as a region, I think it might be more achievable than trying to do it individually. And I think you're right. I think you're, you're very right. I mean, one of, the, one of the things that I was responsible for in the past, which, you know, kind of as you, as, you, as, you, as, you as you speak here, I, I, I came to mind is, you know, with regards to the skills that are not available in Canada, I was responsible uh, for a team that lobbied the Canadian government right up to the minister level um, to allow our organization to bring in um, people into the country with ease, and then we'd use the same people to help train at, at the universities and the colleges. So they'd come in, fill the skills gap that are needed, that, that were needed, so take care of our clients and, 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 and the country where the skills are concerned. But at the same time, as part of the program, we would invest resources into the colleges and universities to train people um, or train students to have those skills so that in the future we wouldn't have to we wouldn't have to be looking outside for those skills because we'd have trained Canadians in those skills. So um, you, you're very right with what you said there, um, because if we can, if, if, if the CXC uh, readers and also the uh, the in the people responsible for acquiring investment and your government and your tourist board can sit around the table and say, listen, this is where we're going. Do we have the skills if we get an IBM project in Sanusha? Do we have the technology skills? What can we do to develop the technology skills? And, you know, you're so right with that. The, and, and, you know, that that is where I think that, that we... we is lacking in the Caribbean is, is the is the absence of planning, and therefore, therefore, those of us in the diaspora do. I see a role for those of us in the diaspora to fill that gap. Um, so, for example, your organization is doing a lot to support education and um, support education and, and 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 training opportunities for the kids, but. Maybe there's maybe there's room for those of us who maybe because we are on the outside looking in, we don't, we, we don't have the day-to-day -day pressures, so things are, might be a little more clear to us. So it, it might be that our our organizing need to 
I don't know, morph into into that type of into that type of to fill that type of need. So so for example, you said that when your organization started, um, one of the big needs they used to feel was when a St. Lucian come to Toronto, they're not totally just isolated and feel alone. They can they can feel they see some familiar faces, maybe not even faces, but some familiarity, and and it softens the the, the touch. And as as communication opened up and that shock was lessened. Um, the, the the purpose of the organization went in, in into the direction of providing support to people while they're still at home, and it may not be your organization. It could be because the, what you describe that you all do is is just is very very important. But it may be that those of us in the diaspora might have to start looking at saying, you know what, maybe um, we went to school. There's a bunch of us who who maybe have formal training in curriculum development, we have industry experience, somehow we have to be able to be able to, to marshal those resources and say, listen, um, those types of skills are what is required in the Caribbean. Let's see how we can we can move it in that direction to try to see if you know, I'm saying it and I know I know um it sounds a little fanciful because those of us who have tried to, I don't know about St. Lucia too much, but those of us who try to do work in the Caribbean, um, we know how difficult it is to get initiatives off the ground. But I, I think that the numbers that we're talking about in terms of the level of unemployment uh, are so critical that, that we, have to, we have to be able to come up with solutions. And if the, if the leaders and the, and the businesses who are still there are too busy taking care of day-to-day -day survival needs. The 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 initiative seems like it may have to come from outside. Yeah, and I think you, I I, I think you you're right. You know, one of the things that you know has been a, a something that I I think the the and it can be done at the at the consulate level uh, is to to the start of this is to say. Listen, let's put together a, a database of all St. Lucian professionals and um, in the in the in the diaspora in every country and let us let us look at that. And um, those people we'd ask them, listen, uh, you know, what 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 are you're a professional, what do you do? And how do you how do you see yourself? Um, are you interested in giving back? And if so, you know, um, how and you know that would be a very very powerful because I, I mean as I go through my 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 day to day I meet so many Saint Lucians that have done some great things in 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 um, in Canada and how and and want to give back but we haven't created uh, um, an avenue for them to to be able to to use their talents home you know whether it be like you say in learning and development whether it be in curriculum planning or anything like that. So, I mean, I think these are all things that, 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 that can be done. I'm not sure that, um, I'm not sure that um, it can be as effective at, a, at an organization level. I would imagine that it would have to be, uh, it would have to be at a, at a governmental there level. Would, there would the definitely have to be a buy-in from the government, for sure. Sorry, I said I it would definitely there would definitely be require a, a participation and a support from the government for it to be successful. That that's for sure. Yes, I agree. I agree. So I mean, but you know, when 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 I look at this, there's so much, so so much that we're missing um, as 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 countries um, because we don't effectively, especially the smaller islands, uh, because we don't effectively engage um, our diaspora. Um, you know, if I, if I were to speak about, uh, from my limited knowledge, if I were to speak about um, Jamaica in, in, in Canada, Jamaica does an excellent job um, of marketing themselves in the diaspora and ensuring that they, they tap into um, professionals uh, as often as they need to in the diaspora. So uh, I know I know Jamaica, uh, obviously a bigger country. Uh, some would say a little more advanced, 
But these are the kind of things that we need to we need to focus our energies on as a, as a, as, as, as communities, especially the smaller communities. And I speak specifically to a Saint Lucia, to a Dominica. Uh, there's so much talent out there, and we've got to we've got to the governments, our our agencies. We have to figure out how we harness that that talent because um, you know. I remember as I watched the the, polit- the politics, as you know, Saint Lucia um, just turned over um, uh, government in June, and there's a new government there. And I remember as I watched through it and the campaigns, and you never know what to believe, but they talk about the number of consultants that have been hired from overseas to do to do jobs. Um, you know, it makes me wonder whether um, we don't have those skills. Um, Sitting somewhere in the UK, uh, solutions in the US, solutions in Canada, who probably would come and do some of that same consulting for half or maybe even no, um, no cost to the country, um, and and I think these are the things we need to we need to look at as 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 growing nations. And and the database that you talk about would be a, 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 a critical and essential first step because at the end of the day, as you said. If if there's need for some type of study or consultancy, then the database would be available as a as a point of reference. Because if you have if you have a study to do in Saint Lucia, and you and it, and, and it's awarded to a Canadian, when he, when a Canadian comes down, the first week two weeks, he has to become familiar with Saint Lucia and how things are done in Saint Lucia, and just a geographic layout of where things are. If you if you take that same assignment and give it to us and Lucian, he's he or she is hitting the ground running. From the first day you land, you know exactly the lay of the land, and 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 so you get more bang for your buck. You also get it much cheaper, and most likely the solutions that are proposed will be more relevant and more and more applicable to 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 a Saint Lucian environment. So there's all types yeah. of benefits that, that kind of crew from stuff like that. But we're approaching the, the <laughs> we're at the top of the hour, Russ. Um, it's Christmas season. So let's lighten up the conversation for the last five minutes of, of our conversation. <laughs> and let's talk about Christmas. Um, I grew up in Dominica. I am um, from the east coast of Dominica, so I'm, I'm a village boy. Um, you know, I have very, very, very fond and very strong memories of Christmas in 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 the in the countryside in Dominica. Um, you know, I imagine the same thing in Saint Lucia. You know, where where people take their Christmas very very seriously. You know, all year you have all the celebrations, but you're basically looking forward to Christmas, no? Oh yes, yes. I mean, uh, Christmas is a very very special time. Um, in in most Caribbean countries and um, like Dominica, I mean, I, that's when you know you you, you find you know people um, paint their house, brand new furniture, you know, and and you know it's really really a time where people come together. It's almost you know when I remember Christmas in Saint Lucia, it's almost a time where you know if you didn't get along with your neighbor. People wouldn't know at Christmas time because that's the time you 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 would you would bury the hatchet at least temporarily uh, for Christmas and you know it's it, it's very interesting um, because uh, you in Saint Lucia still obtain to this day where you can visit anybody's home at Christmas time at any time you want um, and. You know, still be able to have a drink, enjoy a piece of ham, and you know, um, you know, sing to Christmas carols, and then move on to the next house, and the next house, and the next house. So it's a it's a very special time. Um, I think that's changing a little bit, and I think it's more the economics of it um, than anything else. But um, the general the general behavior and the general joy is still. It's still something that um, I remember in St. Lucia, as, I was, as I'm told, it's still present to this day. Yes, it's still, uh, from what I understand, it's still, uh, you know, like, from very early, there is, um, you go to church in the evenings, practice your Christmas songs, practice your carols, 
at the end, um, some of the young people will split up into groups and go to different sections of the village and go caroling. So, so you're, I guess it's pretty much a similar experience as in St. Lucia. And on the day of Christmas itself, everybody's so excited and you know, people come together and have um, activities. So persons who may have a little less or who may not have as much, as much family can come together and share the celebrations. So it's a very festive time. It's, it's very, very traditionally Caribbean to enjoy, enjoy Christmas and, and to meet with family and friends. And so I, I'm going to give you the opportunity to, 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 to give, say a Merry Christmas to all the listeners out there. And, um, you know, go, I give you the opportunity to say, to say, you know, season's greetings to, this, to, to the audience. Yeah. Well, you know, um, to, to all of my, 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 my people in Radio Land, uh, my solutions in the house, uh, Dominicans, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm considered an honorary Dominican, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, so, oh, yes. I'm very close to the com- community here. Yeah. Right. Um, so I want to wish everybody um, a Merry Christmas, uh, a happy and prosperous New Year um, to my Toronto people also and uh, people across the globe. I want to thank you for, for having me on. Um, this is a very, very good conversation. Um, I'd be happy to, to come back at any time um, to, to continue our conversation. Uh, thank you for having me, and uh, good night to all. So, uh, and thank you so much for making the time to come. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. To me, there were so many areas where we could have dived deeper and spend an hour talking about stuff. Uh, um, you know, I like, I like the way that you share your ideas so readily and so freely, which is what we need. We need, we need to have that discussion and to, and to put forward ideas and concrete ideas and, and, you know, that can be implemented. So, so I wish you and your family all the best for the Christmas season and good health and, and, and lots of joy for the entire 2017 and beyond. I, I'm really excited to get to know you, and um, and thank you so much. Thanks again. All right. Well, listeners, I, I, I told you we were going to have a, a very interesting conversation, and I, I hope you agree with me that our conversation was, was really a tremendous conversation. The, for, for, for the New Year, as I told you, tonight's show is the last show for 2016, and so we come back in the new year, um, it'll be a, a whole new season for me. I am my birthday is very early in the year, and I'm milestone. I'm turning 50 years old. Um, so when you see, when next time you hear my voice, I will be in the second half um, of of this journey. But but you know there there are a number of ideas that. Um, that come up every time in our discussion. And so for the new year coming up, I want to be able to find a way to, to harness those suggestions and to be able to take action and to have you, the audience, participate in implementing. So like, for example, tonight, Ross, uh, Mr. Kadas came up with this you know, suggestion. It's something that we've spoken about before as well. The idea of, of creating a database of Caribbean professionals. It's something that we should be able to do. There's a number of you out there in the audience, I'm sure, who have database skills. Um, you know, so let's let's try to see if in the new year we can implement some of those ideas. We can develop a system to keep track of them. And this is my turn to wish you a very merry Christmas. And if you don't do Christmas, whichever way you celebrate, um, holiday greetings to you. You know, special greetings. And as you go into the new year. I, I need you to sit, take some time, reflect on what your goals, your objectives are. Let's let's go forward in 2017, you know, robust and and really really going after our goals and our objectives. And of course, I want to say good night, and I will see you in January. Enjoy the holiday season. Happy holidays to to everyone. And this is your host Anthony Drago. This has been this week in interview. Uh, for in December, let us let's go out um, with some more Saint Lucian um, Christmas songs. All right, good night. Nuelo,